Hey everyone, this is Jamie Bateman. Real quickly, I wanted to share with you something uh, that's been pivotal in the growth and success of my businesses, and that is my partnership with Haven Financial Services. Um, I've been working with Haven for over a year now. Christine Valdez was on episode 70 of this podcast. So go check that out if you want to hear her story. It was a fantastic personal story for sure. But Haven has been awesome. They provide me with monthly reports that are super clear and discernible. And it, that provides me with clarity and focus so that I can do what I do best, which is running my businesses, not preparing financial reports. Um, again, if you're in the market for a top-notch financial service company, uh, or if you just want to check one out, go to www.jamiebateman slash Haven and check out Haven Financial Services. Again, that's jamiebateman slash Haven. I uh, can't recommend them enough. Christine and her team have been fantastic. So I definitely recommend you check out Haven Financial Services at www.jamiebateman forward slash Haven. Let's get back to the show. You're in for a treat with this one. Dan Lukowitz joins us. Um, man, this is jam packed with high energy and lots of lots of knowledge uh, from Dan about commercial real estate, residential real estate, life. Holy cow, we we really really covered a lot in this one. He's got a lot. Uh, he, he just really it's high quality, high energy, jam packed episode for sure. Um, we talk. I got him a little bit uncomfortable. I think in in a, in a sense, he's not used to going. On, he's used to doing hundreds of podcasts, uh, but he's never really gotten so personal. And he handled it perfectly fine. I really appreciate how how he handled it. But we, we dive into some things that are more on the personal side as opposed to just the ins and outs of real estate. So um, he's been through a lot for sure. Um, he had, um, you know, the death of a very close friend when he was young, when he was in college. Which really shaped a lot of his a lot of his life after that, and um, you know went through a divorce, lived in Israel for four years. We talk a lot about the ebbs and flows of life and how life is not a straight line to success or anything like that. Um, a lot of pivotal moments, a lot of lessons learned. Um, when I asked him about book recommendations at the end, he rattled off like seven amazing books. Um, we talk a lot about boundaries and 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 uh, creating structure in your life and. Uh, how rules are really important and, and can actually be very freeing and uh, can be empowering. And sometimes you need to take a step back in order to really focus and make progress both professionally and personally. Tons and tons of, of good stuff in this one. I know you'll enjoy it. Welcome to the From Adversity to Abundance podcast. Are you an entrepreneur or aspiring entrepreneur? Then this show is for you. Each week, we bring you impactful stories of real people who have overcome painful human adversity to create a life of abundance. You are not alone in your struggle. Join us and you will experience the power of true stories and gain practical knowledge from founders who have turned poverty into prosperity and weakness into wealth. This podcast will encourage you through your health, relationship, and financial challenges so you can become the hero in your quest for freedom. Take ownership of the life you are destined to live. Turn your adversity into abundance. All right, here's the deal. You work hard for your money. Isn't it about time you put your money to work for you? 
If you are an accredited investor, check out labradorlending.com. Our Integrity Income Fund provides monthly cash flow from an investment backed by hard physical real estate. Our income fund, which is uncorrelated to publicly traded stocks and bonds, invests in first lien mortgage notes diversified by geography, property value, and borrower type. So you're not investing in one project. You're investing in a diversified portfolio of first lien mortgage notes. Our Integrity Income Fund aims to pay its investors monthly distributions at a preferred rate of return of 8% annually. Possibly the best part though, the fund showcases a short 12 month commitment. So you can invest your capital today and have access to that capital in one year. Check it out today, labradorlending.com. Welcome everybody to another episode of the From Adversity to Abundance podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Bateman, and I'm pumped today to have with us Dan Lukowitz. Dan, how are you doing today? Doing great. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So Dan is a senior director of Encore Real Estate Investment Services. He's got a ton of commercial real estate experience in his background. And um, yeah, I'm just pumped to have you today. Uh, talk to us, Dan, about what you're up to professionally and uh, why the listeners should listen to you. Yeah. So as you mentioned, I'm a senior director here at Encore Real Estate Investment Services. We're a boutique net lease investment sales firm. So we specialize in uh, you know assisting investors in the purchase and sale of properties uh, like uh, Walgreens, CVS's, McDonald's, Taco Bell, Wendy, Dollar General, medical office buildings, industrial spaces, um, you know, shopping centers, etc. Um, we have uh, about forty agents, and uh, last year we did just shy of a billion dollars. We did nine hundred eighty-five thousand, nine hundred eighty-five million dollars of transactions in forty-three states. So you know, we're definitely a powerhouse of a brokerage. In terms of why people should listen to me, I mean, I've been in the real estate industry for uh, almost 20 years. Uh, I created the CRE Pro course, which is a commercial real estate training course. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm day in, day out in the trenches, uh, working mm -hmm. with all different types of deals and, and every facet of, of the net lease space. So um, I'm definitely somebody who can add value to those who are looking to learn about net lease uh, or who are looking to purchase or sell uh, commercial real estate. Absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah. I'd love to dive in, in a little bit as far as the kind of the specifics of net lease and, you know, triple net lease and all that stuff. And and also what you're seeing today with regard to the market changes, obviously that's a, that's an important issue for sure. Um, let's jump back into your backstory, Dan. Uh, you know, as far as, you know, the podcast, we're speaking to entrepreneurs. We certainly have a lot of real estate investors and a lot of people who've built real estate businesses or or are passive investors in real estate um but what we you know what we want to share with the listener is is that life is not always rainbows and unicorns and there are a lot of struggles and challenges with regard to yeah honestly all of us have struggles and challenges but certainly with regard to building a business um we end up having health relationship financial struggles along the way and so the podcast is meant to inspire people that you know you can get through those hard times and you can still get to a period of abundance and i usually put that in air quotes because we're never done with our our struggles right so uh i'll stop rambling dan why don't you jump back into your backstory and and, and let's drill down into some of the adversity that you faced 
Yeah, I definitely appreciate that. I mean, I think that it's very important today, especially to focus on not only the abundance and the success that people have had, but really what got them there and the adversity that they overcame. Um, I think that that's not shared enough. And, you know, kudos to you, Jamie, for really, um, you know, teasing that out. And, and, and you know, I'll say, I, I, as you know, I've, I've spoken on hundreds of podcasts and typically it's fo- they're focused on, you know, the, the idea aspect, the knowledge aspect, the business aspect, the success aspect. Um, definitely not nearly as large of a focus as we have here on the adversity, which I can definitely really respect and and, and appreciate. And I think that you're going to kind of get me out of my comfort zone <laughs> to talk about some things maybe that I wouldn't have. So, so you know, yeah. kudos to you on that. So I guess what I'll say is, you know, uh, where I am at this point in my life, I, I kind of look at life as an ebb and flow. You know, it's really a cyclical sure. Uh, process. It's not a straight line. It's not a line going up in one direction or going down in a different direction. And if I look back in my life, I've seen periods of massive success and periods of massive challenge. And I think that being able to pull back and look at them kind of from a more, you know, macro perspective allows me to tease out certain nuances that have helped me to succeed and to pull through adversity, which I want to touch on first. And then I can go into some of those, those periods of adversity, as I know you, you, uh, you know, you'd like yeah, me yeah. to. No, so, yeah, I, you know, in general, I, I think that. for me, I've always noticed that when when life is ebbing and flowing and it's kind of coming down and it hits that bottom point, right? For me, the inclination is like, you know, Murphy's is like, um, uh, I guess, what is it? It's one of Newton's laws, right? Is that an object in motion stays in motion yeah. and an object at rest stays at rest. So sure. my inclination is just kind of stay there. And I do notice that I spend a decent amount of time trying to figure out, well, hey, what are my next steps to keep going up, right? And what I found is that, the more I can cut down on that downtime where I'm just at the bottom saying, you know what, I'm at rest. I'm not going to keep moving, right? The the faster I get going, the better off I am. So, you know, that being said, I think that for me, you know, if I look at my real estate career, I think it really started around 2005 um, when I helped to form a business with some friends called Disability Made Easy, which is a Mm -hmm. barrier-free home modification company. Uh, I did all the sales and marketing, um, but I did have the opportunity to uh, spend some time with one of our project managers, and we would go around to different properties uh, and take a look at them and give estimates. And I remember, I'll never forget, this was like a big moment for me. We drove out to someone's property. And I went there and I said, how in the world is this property going to work for this guy in, in the wheelchair? You know, mm. it's totally functionally obsolete. It's not barrier free. You know, this just doesn't work. And sure. in 45 or 90 seconds, I watched the project manager take out a piece of graph paper and a pencil and sketch out a whole new front elevation and a whole new layout to the home to make it uh, into something that was suitable for this uh, this owner. And that mm. kind of clicked on a light bulb for me. I recognized that there's an opportunity in real estate to take something and to change it and to make it better. And that really, really excited me. So, sure. you know, that that's what really got me started in my journey. But what I will say is that there was massive adversity for me personally, right before that. Um, okay. So I graduated college, or I should say, right, yeah, right before that. I graduated college in 2006, um, okay. in 2003. So we're going on 20 years in December, which is un- unbelievable. Um, you know, I had a very, very close friend. We went to high school together, went to college together. And we were like two peas in a pod. I mean, we went everywhere mm-hmm. together. An incredible sure. individual. Uh, yeah. His name was Noah Lakin. And unfortunately, in December of 20, 2003, um, he was killed in a car accident that uh, wow. I was supposed to be part of. I was supposed to go out with him to a, you know, a party mm-hmm. that night. Something told me not to get in the car, to go back to my dorm for a short amount of time and then meet up later. Mm-hmm. And in those 15 minutes... Um, my friends got into a, a pretty bad car accident. Hmm. Um, wow. Unfortunately, I lost, you know, at the time, one of my best friends. 
So for me, that was a time of tremendous adversity because I was like getting ready to go out into the world and I was excited. And, you know, we had plans of like taking over the world and, you know, becoming rich and, you know, traveling all over the world together as friends. And it just, it just all of a sudden in one moment came crashing down. Yeah. Um, no, I, I appreciate you sharing that and being vulnerable. It's in, and, and the truth is, yeah, we are trying to, you've been on, on hundreds of shows and we're, we're trying to be a little bit different. I'm, I'm not going to lie, but at the same time, I'm not trying to use people's pain as a commodity and, and we, you know, we're hoping you don't cry in the show and that's not the, <laughs> that's not the goal here, but I do genuinely appreciate that. I mean, that's, I've never had that happen. I've certainly had close friends. I have had friends pass away, but I've never a close friend like that. And at such a you know formative time, like you're saying, right. uh, you know you had plans for the future, and then all of a sudden, in an instant, everything changes. So, how did that episode and that that pain and the, the ensuing weeks and months? How did that kind of transform your your approach to either your professional life or just your your life as a whole? Yeah, I mean, so I was you know in in the middle to end of of college, so I wasn't yet into yeah. my professional life, but I I you know unfortunately. Being that I was, you know, in such close proximity, I, I went to the scene of the accident and I was there, you know, I didn't see it happen, but I was there for all the aftermath and mm-hmm. it was rough. I mean, I, 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 I couldn't sleep for, for months, you know, I would just have mm-hmm. flashbacks of the event and, you know, I really, I, I felt like this huge weight wanting to kind mm-hmm. of push me down almost like into a depression. And for me, I just said to myself, like, I got to keep going. I don't know where I'm going, but I got to keep going. And, mm-hmm. you know, that was definitely it was a challenge and it still is. I mean, it's 20 years. It's unbelievable. It's 20 years, Mm -hmm. but half my life ago, but it's Mm -hmm. still, you know, I still miss him uh, tremendously and still wish that I could, you know, share all these amazing events with him. Yeah. Um, So, you know, it definitely has had a, has had an impact on me. Yeah, absolutely. We we had a guest, uh, his name's Chris Larson. He's also a, he's a more of a capital raiser, uh, but commercial real estate investor and his, uh, we had him on the on the podcast a while back and he had a, a training a bicycle uh training buddy they were best friends like you know through you spent every every moment together and his friend passed away and it just um i think it was around college it might have been right after college but uh you know it certainly had a major impact on on the way he approached life and just kind of appreciating appreciating life um so i definitely advise the listener to go back and listen to that that episode um you know, and I can just, I'll just quickly throw this in. You know, I was uh, deployed to Iraq in 2005, 2006, and we were supposed to be in a, out West uh, where another, we ended up switching with a different team. And so I ended up going to a different location than, you know, you said you were, you were supposed to be in the car basically. And um, I was supposed to be in a different location and that team where I should have been, would have been had a much rougher deployment. They, you know, they had people killed and, and, uh, you know, wounded. And whereas ours not saying it was uneventful entirely, but it was, it was, it was a lot easier. Right. And so there was, you know, maybe, maybe some guilt. I mean, it's nothing I did. It's nothing you did, you know, like that, that you, you know, but, um, was that something you had to wrestle with as well? Definitely. I mean, had to wrestle with, I mean, it's been, I've been wrestling with it still, like I said, it's had a huge impact, but I think for me, you know, because at the time I was, when I was in college, you know, I was into like the car scene, very hardcore. And I still love, love cars. I'm very passionate about cars, Mm -hmm. but we were, I mean, we were doing stupid things. We were doing, we were involved in a lot of street racing in Detroit. And, Mm. um, you know, I, 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 
I know that looking back, I told him to relax and take it easy and, you know, stop and like all those Mm -hmm. things like, Hey, this is not like, this is not safe. I know that I was that voice of reason, Mm -hmm. but for some reason for, you know, 20 years, almost I held it in my inside of me that like, I could have done more. Like I, Mm -hmm. if I just would have stopped and, 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 and took him and said, Hey man, you like, you got to stop doing this. You're going to get killed. Like you're Mm going to, people's lives are going to get messed up if you keep doing what you're doing. Sure. And I think that for a long time, I couldn't forgive myself for not yeah. doing that. Um, yeah. And and honestly, there was a little bit of maybe like a survivor's guilt. Like I was the one that decided not right. to get in the car and everybody else got hurt. One person got killed, you know. Right. But I think over the years, I, I learned to recognize that I did. I did speak up. I did. I mm-hmm. did try to stop it. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, I did the best I could at the time. Absolutely. You know, given with the tools that I had. Absolutely. And, you, and, and again, easy for me to sit here on a podcast and say this, but you really can only control what you can control, right? You can't right, control yeah. everything. So that's true for all of us. So, um, yeah. So how did, you know, how did things move forward for you as far as your, after, after college? Yeah. So after college, I graduated, um, you know, I, I, like I said, I was involved in that business with some friends, a lot of fun. Right. Um, shortly thereafter, I actually moved to Israel uh, and I lived in Israel for four years. Um, nice. I, I actually got married, had a child, and tried to like make things work there, foreign country, foreign language, really no yeah. family. I uh, was there for four years. And at the end of it, like, you know, I was broke and, you know, had my psychology degree and, mm. uh, you know, a, a child and another one on the way and, and mm. you know, trying to figure out life. And and again, boom, that's now back down to that next, like, you know, that, 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 uh, I guess that would be like an ab down at the bottom yeah. and um, came back to Michigan uh, I got a job as a development director at the largest Jewish day school here in Michigan, started doing development. And then, boom, it came time for my family and, and myself to buy a house. And this was, again, another pivotal moment, which is interesting. The pivotal moments, they usually come right after those downs, right? Mm. And um, I uh, I was looking around. I found a house that was move-in ready, ready to sign the contract. And then all of a sudden I got wind that there was uh, like one block over, there was a bank owned property completely like dilapidated every single surface. in it was like not livable, um, but it was, you know, a third of the price. This was during the, excuse me, during the last, uh, you know, the, the recession. Yeah. So I bought that yeah. property, hired some contractors, literally every day was there with them learning, figuring out how to renovate a house um, and really fell in love with the process. Mm-hmm. And at that point that really set off a whole, that was like a catalyst uh, mm-hmm. Before I was finished with that house, I bought another house and another house and another house. And I'm probably, you know, 75 or 80 houses later in terms of, of flipping. And that's where I really mm-hmm. got into the real estate investment space. And I really I see. started seeing like, you know, success and enjoyment and fulfillment. And, and and I recognized, you know, real estate was in fact my passion. Sure. So you had, with regard to real estate, it sounds like you had at least two kind of pivotal moments there. The, the one you mentioned with the uh, man in the wheelchair. And then the the second one where you saw that you, you, I guess, saw the house across the street and then did your first flip. Yeah. Um, and that's awesome. And I, and I love the fact that you're pointing out that absolutely life ebbs and flows and it's not a, a straight line to success or happiness. And, you know, yes, the, our show is called from adversity to abundance. We don't pretend like, Oh, Dan had adversity and now he has abundance and it's just not, right. not, not, not how it works. But the fact is, there there are a lot of lessons that our listener can take from your story and that you've applied in your own life, whether it's mindset or you know behavior approaches and things that we can touch on um, that are that absolutely impact your perspective and 
just your day-to-day abundance that you end up having in your life, right? So absolutely, there are tactical things we can do to make our lives better and to get become successful, become happy, become, you know, uh, just uh, the best version of ourselves, regardless of whether we have adversity still or not. Um, so, okay, you got into house flipping and in, 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 in a pretty big way, I would say. I mean, that's that's a lot of houses flipped. What was your just with it with regard to the single family house flipping, what was your specific role in those deals? Well, I would source them. I would raise the capital and then I would project manage. So I was hiring out all the trades individually and kind of stepping in and being the general contractor, you know, mm-hmm. maybe in hindsight, <laughs> I, I don't know if I would do that again. I mean, I don't do that again now, you know, if I sure. flip houses, I, I use a, a, a GC, um, yeah. but that was really my role, the sourcing, the financing, the investor sure. relations, you know, and then contractor management. And then I would hand it off to an agent to sell um, at it. that point. Yeah. Makes, makes a lot of sense. And, you know, Correct me if I'm wrong, but my my uh, well my my opinion is house flipping is really not real estate investing. It's a ton of work. It's transactional. It's it's a job. I mean, it can be very lucrative. I'm not saying it, it can't be, but it's not real estate investing. Would you agree with that? I mean, I look at at single family house flipping as uh, like a gateway drug. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's a way into more advanced real estate investing. Sure. Um, for for a lot of people, yeah, I would agree with you. It's not. It, it's more of a. It's more of a job, right? Because it's so active. You know, yeah. it's an investment. Yeah, sure, you're making an investment, but sure. you're really, you know, putting in some blood, sweat, and tears. And yeah, listen, yeah. I'll be the first to tell you, like, I've had some massive successes in the house flipping mm-hmm. world, and I've had mm-hmm. some big flops. You know, mm-hmm. so yeah. there's a sure. lot of risk in it. I'm, you know, anyone who yeah. is getting into it should recognize that there's definitely a lot of risk involved in, in house flipping. Yeah, and that's another point we could draw out real quickly is that you know people love to say active active investing versus everybody's looking for passive inv- investments right and i'm i'm in a, a mastermind that's called the passive income mastermind I, I run a couple of mortgage note funds for passive investors but the reality is there's a lot of in between you know yeah. so flipping is a very active investment <laughs> well maybe we, sure. we can we can settle there but um so how did things transition was it the market or was it your own interest that changed what happened after the flipping phase so so that phase kind of moved along you know in the following manner i mean initially i was doing i was flipping in in very specific communities close to where i lived um yeah. the prices were very low i mean we're talking about you know d- during the recession um but as the market started to heat up you know 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, um, mm-hmm. the, the prices really, you know, went up. So I think it was in 15 or 16, I moved my company into the city of Detroit, rebranded it, uh, and started doing the same thing, but in Detroit, because, you know, the city of Detroit in many places was seven to eight years behind the rest of the country mm, in terms yeah. of the foreclosure crisis and in terms of, you know, house values. So I, mm-hmm. I moved it into Detroit. And at that point, um, I actually, so I was, I was working as a uh, running a sales department for a title agency, learning mm-hmm. about title. That's why I took that job. And then I was mm-hmm. working at Amazon as a business de- development exec, you know, mm-hmm. doing the house flipping on the side. And then eventually around 2015, 2016, I left Amazon and went hundred percent full-time into house flipping, um, had some big scores, you know, some of the, the best flips of my life, not only in terms of just the numbers, but, you know, in terms of sheer enjoyment, you know, taking homes from the 1930s in Detroit and restoring them, you know, mm-hmm. upgrading, you know, things like uh, coal, coal fed boilers to, you know, modern forced air, but, you know, maintaining some of the, you know, characteristic historic charm of the property. It was such a great, yeah, a lot awesome. of fun. 
and you know a lot of re- rewarding experiences getting first-time homeowners and, and and others to buy the properties and just be so satisfied and so happy yeah. um, and then at a certain point you know i i kind of had to i mean i, I guess pro- I, sh- I should back up a little bit in 15 16 when i left amazon i remember thinking to myself you know how many houses do i need to own to replace my my w-2 mm-hmm. income mm-hmm. and i the number i came up with at the time was 20. so i went out uh-huh. bought 20 houses raised the capital and started working on them. Um, and, and and that for me was like really, a, a, you know, a turning off point because, you know, that was the last time that I worked in corporate America and had a W-2 and wasn't like, so to speak, my own man. Um, mm-hmm. There's really no looking back. You know, I told somebody the other day, I'm, I'm not really employable anymore as a W-2 employee, <laughs> yeah. you know, just yeah. because of my mindset Absolutely. and what I do on a day-to-day. But, you know, after that, what happened, Jamie, is I kept going and kept going and kept going. And, you know, I know that for me later, you know, I made a post about this recently. I, I, I mm-hmm. put a video up on LinkedIn with a, a Hellcat doing a burnout, uh, you know, at mm-hmm. the Dream Cruise this past weekend. And I, I wrote a whole post about how, you know, it's one thing to have power and power is like charisma and hustle and grit and sales acumen and all those things. Mm-hmm. But you can have all the power in, in, in the world, but if you don't have traction, right, you're going to be spinning your wheels. And for me, traction mm-hmm. is like systems and, you know, scheduling and discipline and just stick-to-itiveness and, you know, those types of things. So when I was yeah. younger, I had a lot, I had all this energy, but not a lot of traction. Mm-hmm. And, and, and this is where I kind of, I veered off course. I, I bought a lot of properties. I got excited. I was buying five, $10,000 a house. And I was buying these properties a lot of times in the winter, um, not knowing what the neighborhood was like. And then the summer comes along and all the gang members come out and the drugs come mm-hmm. out. And, you know, I just remember sitting on this block with my team and our, our trucks and all of a sudden, you know, SWAT pulls in and the police block off the roads and the helicopters are, are, are up in the sky. And, uh, you know, there was a raid that went wrong and there was, were people that were shooting in the streets. And wow. I was just like, I am going to get killed. And I, and at that point, you know, not that day, but within a few days afterwards, mm-hmm. you know, one of the neighbors, there were a couple of kids that lived across the street from one of the houses I was flipping and I, I, the kids wanted jobs. So I let them work for us. You know, these were young kids yeah. and I, I felt like I was doing a good thing. Yeah. And, uh, one day the kids come running over to me, their, their stepfather had killed their mother, like right in, wow. in the, like on the front lawn. I couldn't believe it. Wow. And, and, and here's these little kids that are going to be going to, you know, going to be going to, to, to live in a fought in foster care. And I said to myself, I said, like, I'm not going to end up, you know, dead. I got, I've got my family, you know, I've got, I have five kids. I have people that are counting on me. And at that point I, you know, I decided to, you know, leave the house flipping world full time and get into commercial, you know, net lease Mm -hmm. investment sales brokerage. Um, I had a lot of what I called toxic inventory properties Mm -hmm. in that neighborhood that I didn't, didn't ever want to see again. And I remember yeah. talking to one of my friends and just deciding, like, I got to get rid of these properties, even if I take mm-hmm. a loss, because they're, mm-hmm. they're weighing me down. And, and when sure. I, once I did that, Jamie, I felt that weight off of my chest mm-hmm. and I was able to, like, really take off in commercial brokerage things. That's like, awesome. Yeah. No, that's a really key point, too, is, is sometimes it's OK to take some steps back to, you know, financially, it sounds like you probably took some steps backward yeah. uh, to sell those properties because it gave you clarity and, and peace of mind and freedom yes. to be able to focus on the much bigger goal in front of you. I'm just curious what, so I know like I used to, you know, I got into listening to bigger pockets, like a lot of people did, um, you know, back in the 10 years ago, whatever. And um, Josh Dorkin used to kind of bash Detroit. I don't know if you ever listened to any of those episodes, but he used to say, stay away from Detroit. You know, don't touch Detroit as far as investing goes. What would you say to that? I mean, I would say that like Detroit is a special animal. Um, It's a different market today than it was when I was doing this. 
Sure. Um, that's first things first. But, you know, there's opportunity to make a lot of money and to be successful. But Detroit has its own unique set of issues. Mm-hmm. You have to be so careful. I mean, Detroit is like nowhere else I've ever been in, in the world. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's not only like neighborhood by neighborhood. It's block by block and it's house by house. I mean, mm-hmm. you might have a beautiful few houses and the next door. There's a drug dealer and across yeah. the street, there's a house that's totally burned out. So, sure. you know, you just got to be careful. Don't do it without yeah. someone who knows what they're doing. I mean, and that's Absolutely. probably good advice for anything, but especially well, investing yeah. in Detroit. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm, I'm, I'm outside of Baltimore and, and what you just said perfectly describes Baltimore as well. <laughs> so it's very block by block and you've got to have boots on the ground and know what you're doing for yeah. sure. Um, so talk to us about the the pivot into commercial real estate and how, how that went. Yeah, so that was kind of like, uh, you know, put all your chips on the table move. Um, mm. You know, I, I I was going through some other personal things at the time. Um, mm. My four oldest children are from uh, my first marriage. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, at that point, you know, my wife uh, was planning on moving the kids to, to another state and mm. had a long drawn out court battle that just was emotionally draining. You know, I did mm-hmm. everything I could to try to keep them full time in Michigan, but unfortunately sure. it was not successful. So during that period, I kind of was like, I got to start over. Like, you know, I don't have, I, I spent all my money on this legal, this legal fight. Sure. Um, I don't have my houses anymore. And I'm, I'm, I'm in commercial real estate brokerage, which means I have zero salary and I'm counting on commission checks. So I remember just saying to myself, I re- actually, I remember I was reading, um, think and grow rich. And one of the mm-hmm. things that, yeah. that Napoleon Hill says in there is that, you know, some people become successful sh- purely out of necessity. And I was like, that's going to be me. That That is me. Like I, I said to myself, I can't afford to fail. That is failure. It's like that Eminem song. Failure is not an option. <laughs> it just wasn't yeah. an option. That's just the way I looked at it. And not because I was trying to psych myself up, but because that's the truth. It's true. Afford, right. Yeah, exactly. I couldn't afford to yeah. fail. So I put everything that I had into commercial real estate brokerage. And thankfully, I was able to take off very quickly, you know, and get my first deal within the first few months, my first closing within the first six months. And, and really, uh, you know, push myself. And I got to a point where I was just doing deals, doing deals, doing deals, doing deals. And then what happened? COVID hit, right? Mm. And and the world shut down, which for mm-hmm. commercial real estate, people were saying it's over, like everything's going right. to implode. And I remember, you know, listening to brokers who I was talking to. And a lot of them were saying like, listen, man, I'm going to write off the next six months or, or a year. I'm just going to go and, you know, put myself mm-hmm. in, a, in a hole and come back out mm-hmm. when it makes sense. And I said to myself, I said, again, I can't afford to do that. I've got too much momentum going right now. I want to keep this going sure. up, right? Yeah. But I also, I said to myself, when other people are putting their foot on the brake, that means I got to put both feet on the gas. And that mm-hmm. that's really what I did. And that helped me to really power through COVID and my business and my production and my success really took off and continued as the market just became white, white, white hot. And then obviously, as most people who are in the commercial real estate space know, you know, we had this whole interest rate, you know, uh, massive mm-hmm. movement over the last... 16 months, I said the same thing, you know, people were panicking, the news headlines mm-hmm. were not good. And I said, you know what, head down, focus on the fundamentals, don't worry mm-hmm. about what else is going on. And, sure. you know, thankfully, this is this is shaping up to be uh, one of the best years yet. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, the fact is, like, you know, real estate compared to the stock market and other other investment classes, real estate moves very slowly, right? Even though the headlines may say something, and then even if they're accurate, it's like you still if you understand the fundamentals, like you do, you have time, you have time to pivot. So if you're still engaged, like you said, you, you know, you, it sounds like you were even more engaged at that time um, than, than you had been even before, you know what to do, you know, you right. know what your fundamentals are, what your principles are, what your investing strategy is. Um, and I, and I found that to be true across just 
in general during the pandemic there were there were those who took it as a you know i'm going to watch netflix all day uh and there were others who said this is awesome this is a huge opportunity for me right. to really drill down and get ahead and um you know i i started a couple businesses during that time doesn't mean they're they're you know everything successful that you do but but it's it, i definitely I appreciate that you used it as an opportunity. So that's awesome. Um, and so talk to us about kind of the last, say, three years. How has that looked from a professional standpoint? Yeah, I mean, I you know, obviously we can't control uh, much in life, right? We can control ourselves. <laughs> right. And there are always going to be ebbs and flows. But I've watched my life really even out over the last, I'd say, three to five years. Um, mm-hmm. I really made some major, you know, shifts internally. Um, but you know, I've been, I've been engaged completely in commercial real estate brokerage. Um, I've been having a great time making some great relationships and, you know, just learning a ton and and helping Mm -hmm. people, which is amazing. Um, I know for me, I've really like, I know that I'm able to utilize that energy, that horsepower and go as high as I want, but I've really Mm -hmm. found a way to set a ceiling, like an artificial ceiling Mm -hmm. so that I don't have those you know, deep, deeper lows, so to speak. Mm, And that's been really beneficial for me, you know, just having, you know, more guidelines, more structure, more discipline in my life so Mm -hmm. that I stay within, you know, kind of, it just keeps me on the track, right? Yeah. Like it's not about slowing down, but it's just more, more along the lines of like, well, you know, I recently got into track racing and, uh, you know, there's a lot of, there's, there's, it's very systematic. There's cones that tell you when to break, when to take your foot Mm -hmm. off the gas, when to accelerate, you know, mm-hmm. there's certain lines that you're not supposed to get, you know, within three feet of. I mean, really, the car could go all the way up to the edge, right? But you've got mm-hmm. like a little rumble strip that's that's there. And then you've got another line three feet before that to keep you, keep you on the track, right? And also, mm-hmm. because if you take that line, you're going to go faster, right? So the mm-hmm. rules of the track allow you to not only mm-hmm. stay on the track, but to, to go faster. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean that you have to slow down. It just means that you have to follow certain, you know, boundaries. So I've learned sure. to put those boundaries in my life. And that's allowed me to stay on this track of success. And I really think that 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 like, you know, hands down that that's that's where I can attribute a lot of my success to is that, you know, if I look mm-hmm. at the last three to five years of my life, I've been much more successful than any other period of my life. And I think mm-hmm. that's because I've I've employed these these guidelines and this structure and this discipline. That that's power great. was always there. It's just now I have the traction to really yeah, put it to good I, use. Got it. That's really good. And you know, it's just I'm thinking back to what you said about you know selling off those single family homes for a loss. The if you only talk about that, that was that was a loss. That was terrible. You lost all this money. But if you zoom out in the big picture, that was the thing to do. So so if you yeah. only and, and similarly when you're doing uh, track racing, if you're if you're coming around a turn, you know, and you take it, you know, maybe if you're only thinking about that one moment on the track, then you probably shouldn't follow those guidelines. You shouldn't follow what you're talking about, the rules, if you will, because you're going to lose, you know, it just doesn't make sense in the in the moment. But you, in other words, you've zoomed out and you're looking at the whole racetrack. You're looking yes. at your whole professional, your whole investment, you know, professional picture. You got to take that big picture view. And then you, then that's why you understand and appreciate those boundaries uh, and the ceiling you put on yourself. Um, so that's my little, I'll get off my soapbox. You're right. You're right. And, and, you know, to <laughs> piggyback on that, like when you're, when you're racing, you can't just look at what's in front of you. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the same mm-hmm. thing in life. Mm-hmm. If you're down and you look at what's in front of you, that's all you see. Right. Mm-hmm. But in, mm-hmm. in racing, you have to look ahead. You have to look down sure. the track and see what's way down the track. 
And yeah. I think that that's a great lesson for life because if we can look down the track and say, you know what, right now, today it sucks. Today it's hard. Today it's difficult. Today I don't want to get out of bed. But if I just do these activities for a mm-hmm. while and build that momentum, right. I can see in the future because I've, I've been there in the past. There's going to be success mm-hmm. again. There's going to be sure. sunshine after this rain. I think that's really important. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Um, okay. So it sounds like your business has really kind of taken off in the last last few years. Um, yeah. Speak to the to just the broader market as far as, you know, what you all do um, and what you're seeing in the market. And I'm not asking you to make bold predictions necessarily because usually people's predictions are wrong, right? So I don't want to set you up for failure there, but but what are you seeing in the marketplace from a commercial real estate perspective? Yeah. So in terms of the first part of your question, what we do, I mean, we're net lease investment sales brokers. So we advise clients on the purchase and sale of very small band of properties. So single tenant net lease properties like Walgreens and CVS and McDonald's and Taco Bell and Dollar General, um, AutoZone, those types of properties, multi-tenant retail shopping centers. Um, I've sold some resorts, not something we usually specialize in. Um, medical mm-hmm. office buildings. We do some industrial as well. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, that's what we specialize in. In terms of the market today, I mean, listen, transactional volume is definitely down. Just, I mean, it, it, in, in a certain sense, when you look at net lease investments, the mm-hmm. taking, you know, there's a certain segment of the market that's that's the cash buyer segment of the market, but mm-hmm. taking them out, really, you know, it's all about the delta between the, you know, or the spread between which you can borrow money and and and, and which you can cash flow from your property. So if mm-hmm. you've got a six cap, right, it's giving you a 6% re- cash on cash return and mm-hmm. you're borrowing at 3%. Okay. There's a nice spread there, 300 basis sure. points. Well, when all of a sudden loan, you know, rates go from 3% to six and a half, six and three quarters, 7%, right. Yeah. And you still have that six cap deal. It doesn't make sense for a lot of people. So the sure. cap rates haven't really moved. And as you alluded to a moment ago, Jamie, real estate mm-hmm. is is slow. It's slow moving. It's very yeah. bulky. It gets sure. where it needs to get in a slow fashion, but also it's stable. So it doesn't always mm-hmm. move quite as high as it should relative to interest rates. So there's mm-hmm. been a dislocation in the market between buyers and sellers. You know, sellers saying, well, I want 2021 pricing and buyers saying, you know, hey, the sky is falling. Um, right. I've seen that get better over the last six months, and I think the market is healthier. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, personally, from what I've read and what I understand, you know, I watch every single Fed meeting with my eyes glued to the screen, and mm-hmm. it seems like there there will perhaps be one more rate increase this year, and then mm-hmm. perhaps we'll see some rates balancing off and maybe even coming down in 2024. I think if we if we do that, I think that'd be a good thing. Um, I think that the, the markets are strong. I mean, if you look at like consumer spending, it's incredible. Yeah. If you look at uh, retail vacancy, is at an 18 year low right now, 4.8 percent. Mm-hmm. So you've got a lot of health in the markets. Yeah. I think the fact that the stock market and the real estate market are still so strong, despite so much intentional, uh, you know, tightening of the monetary mm-hmm. markets, right. it just shows you that there is underlying health. So yeah, I, I see this. I see things much brighter than than most people do, um, mm-hmm. and, I, and I'm not 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 very worried. I think that we're uh, in a de- in a decent spot, and I think that there's mm-hmm. you know a lot of opportunity for for uh, you know appreciation over the next few years, especially if interest rates reverse themselves. From a mm-hmm. brokerage perspective, again, I keep my head down. I mean, I can read a headline that says that Marks and Millichap or CBRE are down 80 or 90% revenue and think, mm-hmm. oh my gosh. But then I look at, at things, I say, yeah, but they've got 
all this overhead and all this marketing and all this big, huge budget. They've got all these agents that aren't producing. I'm at a boutique firm where our, our average agent is doing what the top agents at those firms are doing. So, you know, I, I just look at my business. My business is healthy. You know, I, I'm advising my clients. I'm doing deals. I've got five properties in escrow right now scheduled to close. I probably got 10 listings, you know, so nice. it's, it's just a function of, of of doing what I know works and sticking to it. And, you know, I'm, sure. I'm very thankful and I feel very fortunate to be in this position. Absolutely. It's awesome. So, so it sounds like Encore isn't making too many drastic changes as far as their no, approach to... we stick okay. to the fundamentals. Yep. Got it. Awesome. Fantastic. Um, so from a business standpoint, any, any uh, before we get to our rapid fire questions with your, with, with Encore and the, its setup, um, speak to kind of how you're set up, the structure of the business, um, any lessons learned for entrepreneurs out there? Yeah, I mean, the structure is really that uh, it's very collaborative. So, you know, mm-hmm. in, in, a, in a certain sense, we we work on our own. You know, I'm very independent. I mm-hmm. do have a junior broker that, uh, you know, works under me who I advise and help with his deals. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for, for all intents and purposes, I'm kind of a, you know, a self-contained system here within mm-hmm. Encore. The great thing, though, is that, you know, like I'll give you an example. Last, I'm having a certain issue with one of my deals. So I reached out to one of my colleagues and, you know, he looked over the emails, talked about it just I vented a little bit and had a therapy session, but ultimately, <laughs> you know, I had another set of eyes and, and another individual says, Dan, you're doing exactly what you need to do. I think this is the right call. You made the right call. So we have that collaborative um, aspect, you know, every Monday we've got a sales meeting where, you know, the partners of the firm and other people speak and talk about what they see going on. It's very educational, informative. And then, mm-hmm. uh, you know, individuals will present their listings and closings and we can collaborate on those deals so what's also nice is like I've got a whole group of people that if I've got a, mar- a deal off market or even a deal on market, you know, they can help work the deal. So we do work together when we have listings to mm-hmm. um, to get them sold. Gotcha. And I mean, you know, you're looking at like on average, obviously there's the 80-20 rule, but on average, you know, we're looking at, at almost 10 deals a year per mm-hmm. agent, you know, like that's pretty impressive. I mean, we've yeah. got... We've got a lot of agents that are selling, you know, 50, 100, 200 million dollars of inventory a year. That's that's pretty impressive, you know. Yeah, it's awesome. So um it's a great place and, and a great atmosphere, great energy. And you know, we're here again, it's heads down, make things happen, no chicken little nonsense, you know, mm-hmm. no excuses. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah, I love that too. That's awesome. Um, so a couple of questions, then then we'll do our rapid fire questions. Um what uh, I guess, who is your ideal client? I mean, you, you kind of have already described, you know, exactly what you do, but talk to the the avatar that you're really trying to market to and who is your ideal client? Sure. Yeah, so my ideal client is a commercial real estate owner who wants to either know what their property is worth or sell their property. I do do buy side representation, but the overwhelming majority of my business is listing. Um, when I list a property in the vast majority of cases, I represent the buyer as well, whether it's my buyer or somebody who comes to me through my marketing. Um, mm-hmm. but, but I, you know, I would say if I was to put, you know, make one box of who I want to talk to, mm-hmm. it's going to mm-hmm. be a commercial real estate owner who owns property, wants to know what it's worth or wants to sell it. Got it. That's awesome. That's a uh, succinct and very well, you know, very well put. So in this final question before our rapid fire uh, round, what are the, you, you alluded to these governors or the ceiling you put on yourself uh, almost from a personal standpoint uh, that's helped you professionally. At least that's how I interpreted it. What are some of those things that you've put in place from a personal standpoint? 
Um, yeah, good question, man. You just go right, right to, right to the personal <laughs> stuff. So one of them is, is, um, I actually don't spend this. I, I don't know why I feel weird admitting this, but I don't spend more than a hundred dollars without speaking with my wife. Okay. So that, yeah. that helps me, you know, to avoid impulse purchases, um, sure. and also to avoid, you know, conflict with my, my significant other, which is never fun and not something that I want. Yeah. Um, so that's definitely, you know, something that, 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 that's a boundary that I put in place. Um, yeah. I don't really, I mean, I shouldn't say I don't really, I don't use drugs, very, very little alcohol. Um, yeah. so I have that boundary. I think that that, sure. that's very important for me to make sure that, that I'm, you know, yeah. on the straight and narrow. And, you know, I'm in an industry just quite frankly, the, the, honestly, like commercial real estate brokerage industry is full of drugs. It just is. And it's just not something yeah. that's good for me. So, you know, sure. that's a boundary I have in my life. Um, I try to, I put a boundary around sleep. You know, I'm normally in bed by 11 o'clock every single night. Um, yeah. I try to, my, my real metric there is that, you know, I, I want to have, um, between the time that I'm like turning off the lights and the time I have to wake up, uh, is at least seven hours. Right. But ideally eight hours. Uh, yeah. so that's very important for me. Being well-rested is, is tremendously important. Um, sure. I have an accountability partner from my next yeah. level mastermind, uh, one of my best friends, um, ironically, and I've told him this, I almost feel like the friend that I lost was replaced by this friend just because their energy is so, is so similar. Now Um, next level mastermind, who who runs that? If you don't mind me asking. Next level mastermind is just a group of 18 commercial real estate professionals from across the country. I'm Mo Bina and Adam Carswell was really one that was running it, but he's, he's Uh kind of doing some other stuff, but it's been amazing. I've I've met a ton ton of great people there. So having him, having our weekly accountability uh, uh, sessions where we set goals and we keep each other accountable has been huge for me. Um, Exercise, you know, making sure that I exercise regularly has been huge. I'm trying to think of what, what else. Yeah. Well, that's Um, a lot. That's really good. Like I I used to suffer from shiny object syndrome. Mm -hmm. So for me, Mm -hmm. Like what I do is like I focus as close to 100% of my energy on brokerage as possible. I had uh, an opportunity last year to buy a lake house from a trustee that I knew and and flip Mm -hmm. it. And I thought to myself, I said, is this worth it? Is this worth the potential um, distraction? And, you know, I I analyzed it. I talked to some people that I trust and I decided, Mm -hmm. yeah, it was worth it. And it's pretty hands off. So I did it. But my point is, is that now um, I look at what I do as gold and I'm not willing to sacrifice it. Even if there's a pot of silver over there, it doesn't matter. Mm, that's that's a really huge good. for me. Yeah, because there is opportunity costs, you know, in, in everything you do. Yeah. Um, yeah. The reason I asked about the next level mastermind was Chris Larson's, uh, who I referred to earlier. His yeah. he, his company is Next Level Income and Next Level. Next oh, okay. Level. So I didn't know if he was in. Yeah. No, I don't think. No, he's not not gotcha. related. But but uh, yeah. that sounds cool. You ready to for some rapid fire questions? Let's do it. All right. So Dan, what is one thing that people misunderstand about you? I don't know. I, that's a question for other people, right? That's such a hard question. What's some, <laughs> what's one thing that people misunderstand? Um, I, I say rapid part, fire. That is a tough one though. I know. I think part one, one thing I would say is like, I think the fact that I have five kids, like people don't understand it. And I often like my youngest is almost one. And I will often be out like this just happened the other day. And people are like, <laughs> oh, just wait till he's older. Just wait till he's older. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> I have like, five kids. I know what yeah, it. it's like. Yeah, right, right. No, that's a good, so that's pe- a good people answer. misunderstand that. Um, yeah. And then I don't know, maybe by energy, I think potentially that there's a potential for misunderstanding, like what it really is and how that is, that that is my essence. And that is who I am. Great answer. Um, what's one of your biggest failures, regrets, you know, just something you would like to do over if you had the chance. 
Um, I love, I love all my kids so much there. I, I can't imagine life without them. Um, there is a part of me that wishes that I was able to be successful, um, at, at being married one time and having kids one time. And you know what I'm saying? Like, sure. and I love my wife. I'm, I, 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 would, oh, I wish sure. that happened with her, but um, <laughs> right, I, I right. think that that's something that, that, that does, you know, pain me. Um, sure. and then in terms of like, I guess that, that answers your question, but yeah, like biggest failures, that's a good, such a good question. Yeah, I mean, a, I think I touched on a lot of them today yeah. in, in the show. Sure. All right. If you could go back and give your 18 year old self some advice, what would that be? Focus. Like you've got so much energy and so much potential. Take that and, and put the widest set of tires on, on that, that you, as you can and harness mm -hmm. that energy and just focus, Love become it. an expert in one narrow focus mm -hmm. and, and then go from there. Awesome. If you could have coffee with any historical figure, who would it be? Oh, that's a good question. I probably Doesn't... want to have coffee with Michael Jordan. Oh, I, that's I love that. I, I've watched the uh, the Last Dance three times. Such a good series. <laughs> if you were given ten million dollars tomorrow, just personally, just hand out you know blank. Well, not blank, but ten million dollars. What would you do with it? Ooh, I mean, wow! Well, I would first of all, I'd be. I mean, I'd be done. I, maybe I'd still work and do real estate deals because I love it, but I wouldn't wouldn't feel yeah. forced to do it. Um, so first of all, I would definitely buy a uh, Gen 5 Dodge Viper. That's for sure. <laughs> okay. I would do that and nice. spend, you know, 120 grand out of the $10 million on that. Um, nice. I would set up a solid plan of investment, um, heavily emphasizing, you know, real estate, um, but mm -hmm. very diversified so that that $10 million could yield me, you know, let's call it, even if that $10 million yielded me 6% annually, I'd yeah. still get, you know, 600 grand yeah. a year. Obviously, I'd have yeah. to take out take 125 off the top for my Viper, but still, <laughs> right. or or not, or I would just invest that money, wait a year, and use use part mm -hmm. of the 600 for the Viper. Yeah, that's that's smarter. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Uh, what is the challenge that you're facing in your business right now? Um, I think this is kind of like a it's a great question. This is like a limiting belief uh, ch mm -hmm. challenge, but you know, I'm at a point where I'm very busy. You know, mm -hmm. managing five escrows is hard, right? You get an email from title company and you're like, wait, which deal is this? So yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm flowing. I'm in work. I'm going, I'm yeah. doing everything, making the deals happen. Mm -hmm. um, I, I know that there's things I could do to take it to the next level. Um, mm -hmm. Like, for example, hiring somebody to database and cold call specific asset owners and then get mm -hmm. me on the phone when they want to sell. However, mm -hmm. I'm struggling with the idea of being overwhelmed. I don't want to be overwhelmed. So mm -hmm. that to me is like, I know if I do this, it's the right thing to do business-wise, but I yeah. don't know if if I will be overwhelmed or not. So I'm really struggling with that psychologically. Sure. Yeah, no, that's a good, I mean, we all have struggles like that. So it's, it's a, it's very, a great answer. Um, how about a book you, you've reckoned, you've already mentioned a couple, one or two books. Are there any other books that you could recommend for the entrepreneur out there or real estate investor out there? Definitely. Anybody in sales or entrepreneurship or business, um, the, uh, it's called influence the psychology of persuasion mm. by Robert okay. Caldini, excellent book about sales and influence. just, just fascinating, nice. great, great tips and tricks. I have a friend who is, tells me I'm not allowed to recommend the book because I'm not allowed to give out the secrets, but I don't care. <laughs> it's such a good book. That's a great one. I'm nice. not a multifamily guy, but if you're into multifamily, there's yeah. a great book, um, uh, uh, it's called Multifamily Millions. It's a small blue book. Uh, okay. Dave Lindahl, I believe, is okay. the is the yeah. author. That's a great one. Um, 
you know, think and grow rich is huge. I've read that probably sure. six times. I love it. Um, how awesome. to win, win friends and influence people is a great book. Um, yeah, and then 10X, 10 X is a great book. Oh, oh, also one more. It's uh, Jay Papasan and, and, uh, and, yeah. um, the one thing. Or... Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I'm blanking on his co-author's name, but yeah, yes. Keller, Gary Keller. Yes. Yes. Fantastic book. Those are, yeah, those are great. Um, awesome. What about, um, I guess, you know, financial abundance, just what does that mean to you? Financial abundance means, you know, not worrying if my wife wants to go out to a nice dinner tonight, you know, it means, yeah. you know, if I need a new shirt, getting it, it means, <laughs> honestly, it's, it's incredible to me because, you know, one would think that it's all about effort, right? Results come from effort and effort is necessary, but without mindset, effort is meaningless. So what I found is that when I sit back and I do those thank you and grow rich things, and I say, you know what, this year I'm doing, mm -hmm. like, I know my numbers. I know how many deals I'm going to close, right? Mm -hmm. I know how much money I'm going to make that I've already made up my mind. It's going to happen. And mm -hmm. I've done that before. And I've just like, I've watched myself do things that five or 10 years ago, I would have said, these things are 100% utterly impossible, <laughs> right? So for me, yeah. that's abundance. And it's knowing that like, I'm, I'm even, I'm selling myself short, right? <laughs> the abundance mentality would allow me to go even higher. And you know what? Maybe that's what I'm going to do next year. I'm going to just set the bar higher, set the bar higher. Mm -hmm. But that's something that I would just like, that's a message I want to convey is that whatever you think you can do, you can do. And whatever you think you can't do, you can't do. That is it. It is that simple. And if there's something you're, you're contemplating doing before you do it, spend time every single day religiously. Okay. When you wake up in the morning, when you go, go to bed at night, visualizing it, visualizing what it looks like, visualizing yourself in that situation. And, and you'll get there. It's it, that it's remarkable, but for whatever reason, it just works. That's great. I'm glad I asked that question because that was some some gold right there. Uh, Dan Lukowitz, what have we not covered that you'd like to? You know, I guess I would just say that uh, I've been blessed and fortunate to have great mentors and great people in the industry and outside of the industry who I consider my friends and my family who have helped me tremendously. And I, I want to say that if there's anybody who's watching or listening to this, if you want to reach out, if, you, if, you, if you're thinking, maybe I should call this guy, maybe I should send this guy a message, maybe I should connect with them on LinkedIn. I don't know if I should do it. Uh, do it. Please do it. <laughs> Take the opportunity. It's in front of you. I want to give back. I love providing value. And there's nothing that makes me happier when I, than when I get a phone call from someone who I talked to six months or a year ago and they say, Dan, do you have five minutes so I can tell you how well it's gone since we last talked? I love that stuff. So please reach out. I'm here to add value. I'm here to help. If you have commercial property, you want to know what it's worth. You want to know to sell it. You, know, you want to sell it. I'm your man. But even if you don't and you just want to talk or there's anything I can do, please, please reach out by all means. That's awesome. Um if somebody does want to reach out, you mentioned LinkedIn, where else can they find you? Yeah. So first of all, I'm very active on LinkedIn. I have pretty much daily content. Um, so please reach out there, follow me. My first name is Dan, last name Lukowitz, L-E-W-K-O-W-I-C-Z. Again, L-E-W-K-O-W-I-C-Z. And then I I'm happy to share my my direct line, my cell phone number. Sure. Uh, it's 248-943-2838. Again, 248-943-2838. It would be my pleasure to connect. Awesome. Dan, this has been fantastic. You got a lot yeah. of energy and it's just like, boom, 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 boom. A lot of, lot of, uh, you know, I use this term too often, but knowledge bombs just constantly firing on this one for sure. So thanks for taking the time. 
Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. This was great. Awesome. And and to the listener out there, thank you for taking your time, which is your most valuable resource. We appreciate it. And definitely check out our website, adversity2abundance.com. That's the number two, adversity2abundance.com. That's about it. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Investors, have you ever experienced challenging communication or the headache of tracking taxes and insurance? Meet BiFi, a loan servicing company founded by investors for investors. With an expert team and best-in-class vendors, BiFi will partner with you to service your loan from start to exit. Visit BiFiLS.com to see how you can get started today. That's B-I-F-I-L-S dot com. Thank you for spending your most valuable resource with us, your time. If you like the show, please share it with your friends and fellow podcast listeners. One entrepreneur at a time, we can change the world. See you next time. Hey there, it's Jamie Bateman. Ever felt boxed in by life's challenges? Dive into my new book, From Adversity to Abundance, Inspiring Stories of Mental, Physical, and Financial Transformation. Available now on Amazon. From a former bank robber's redemption to a young entrepreneur's victory over hurdles, these stories are not just inspiration. They're the roadmaps to your transformation. Whether for you or as a powerful gift to friends and family, especially those who might not tune into podcasts, this book is a beacon to a life of abundance. Ignite that inner fire and set your course to the life you've imagined. Purchase yours today on Amazon and light the path for someone you love.